Hi, I'm Jake Parker, and this is my podcast, Beyond Fit. My goal is to help you live a happier and healthier life by providing actionable knowledge and advice about a wide range of health and fitness topics, as well as self-improvement. If you want to find out more about me, visit my website, jake-parker.com. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hi guys, this is Jake Parker. Welcome back to the Beyond Fit podcast. Today, my guest is Alan Thrall. You may recognize him from his YouTube videos. His brand is called Untamed Strength, and this is his second time on the podcast. So I'm happy to have him back to talk a little bit more with me, and I will let him go ahead and say hi on his end, give any introduction he would like to give. Yeah, what's up, everyone? Uh, thanks for having me on, man. Um, it's nice to talk to other human beings mm-hmm. during this time. Uh, my name is Alan Thrall. I'm the owner of a gym in Sacramento, California called Untamed Strength. It's a strong man and powerlifting gym. Um, I also have a YouTube channel um, where I talk a lot about weight training, strongman, powerlifting, and you know things that branch from there. Uh, so yeah, that's the quick and the quick summary of mm-hmm. who I am. And like you said, during this time, I don't know when exactly this is going to go out because the one silver lining I found in this uh, COVID-19 situation that we're in right now, uh, I have been able to record like four or five podcasts just because everyone's kind of holed up at home. So I guess if there is one bright spot, I've I've been getting to do a lot more podcasts. And like you said, it's nice to just kind of get away and chat. Like I've always felt like no matter what kind of stress I have in my life, I like this podcast because whenever I get on with somebody, it's just an hour to kind of get lost in a conversation and kind of forget about whatever else is going on. And so I think it's a good opportunity to do that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think that conversation is kind of lost now with Mm -hmm. social media and just being able to scroll on your phone or Mm -hmm. YouTube videos or whatnot. So to just uh, sit Mm -hmm. down and talk to someone is nice. Yeah. And it's definitely nice that we can do stuff like this on zoom, but I just hope what doesn't get lost, you know, when eventually things hopefully go back to normal in a month or two months or however long it is. I just, I think that the, the in-person, uh, relationship and social ability and hanging out with people is is really important. Like I'm sure you know with your gym, it seems very communal. I think that it is awesome with all the technology, how we can kind of talk to anybody and talk to people across state, country lines or whatever. But I think that hopefully this will remind people how important it is to have in-person connections too, because I definitely feel like I'm missing that. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So the first thing I wanted to get to here is uh, just going off some of the topics you've been posting about recently on your YouTube and Instagram. You recently have been talking about how you lost a little bit of weight and kind of how you went about that and the impacts that it had. And I was interested because when I first kind of came across your stuff on YouTube, uh, there's a lot of different people I follow. And, you know, there's different, not that anyone I follow gets too niche most of the time, but you are more so the the strength and strength building stuff of that nature. And I remember one of the other people who I saw who you've you've made reference to before is Mark Ripito. And a lot of times it seems like those are the type of people like you that are, you know, like shy away from the aesthetic, the bodybuilding, the leaning out, anything like that. So I'm curious what made you uh, want to want to get lean and and, and lose some weight recently. Yeah. So in uh, January of 2018, I, right, is that, no, 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 we're in 19, so 19, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, so January 2019, uh, I had my son, my wife and I had a kid, and uh, at that time, my training was kind of uh, uh, impacted, 
Um, so mm -hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't uh, really able to prioritize programming, which makes a lot of sense um, having a kid. So I was uh, in and out of the gym quickly. Uh, I probably could have been at the gym for a couple hours if I wanted to, mm -hmm. but I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to, I felt bad milking that time in the gym. Mm -hmm. So I felt like, Hey, I can get to the gym, do a quick workout and get out. And I wasn't really sure how many days a week I was going to train. I wasn't sure of how long my training sessions would be. So there were all these modifications that needed to be made, made to training. Um, and during that time, uh, I was still eating mm -hmm. the same way at first. I was still eating the same way that I was when I was prioritizing training, when I was training mm -hmm. a lot more and when I was really wanting to drive my numbers up, my barbell mm -hmm. numbers. It was to the point where previously – uh, I wanted to see the numbers on the bar increase. And if that meant mm -hmm. I had to gain body weight or I had to maintain a higher body weight, so be it. I was fine with it. Uh, but now um, I wasn't really concerned with the weight on the bar with those numbers. And so I felt like I don't need to be eating all this food and, and force feeding myself uh, because I'm not really worried about the numbers. And I know that my training is going to take a little bit of a hit with having this uh, baby at home. Mm -hmm. Um, so let's just kind of roll with that, uh, and let the weight come off. So I basically mm -hmm. did, just didn't want to maintain a heavier body weight. Mm -hmm. uh, so for, for reference, what do you, what looks like an average body weight, just any given time of year, give or take was around two fifty. So I was mm -hmm. like two fifty, two fifty five, uh, depending on the day or time of day mm -hmm. at that time. Uh, and right now, so a little over a year later, I'm about two ten, Um, and I didn't, uh, so really it, it wasn't, it was never coming from a place of, uh, being vain and saying, mm -hmm. you know, I really want a six pack. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't that at all. It was more of, uh, Hey, I think now's a good time to just, uh, get in training what I can't, what, you know, get in whatever I can for training and not mm -hmm. worry so much about force feeding myself and eating all this mm -hmm. food to maintain these higher numbers. Yeah. Um, and, and I did kind of have a, um, uh, revelation at the time and just kind of say, uh, you know, how, how long can I maintain this? So in order to be 250, I was eating a lot of food. Um, mm -hmm. and it wasn't that I was uh, a glutton and I was eating McDonald's every day and fast food. Um, I was eating pretty good, what we would consider healthy food, but mm -hmm. I was eating, I was eating a lot of it. Like every meal mm -hmm. was seconds. I would always eat until I was full. I would just eat, 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 eat. Um, and I, really thought to myself, how long am I going to be able to do this? Yeah. I'm not going to be doing this when I'm 40 years old, when I'm mm -hmm. 50 years old. Um, and so I knew that, Hey, there's a time when I am going to have to say, all right, I'm done eating all this food. It's time to lose some weight because mm -hmm. it's really hard for me to maintain 250 pounds of body weight. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It gets tiring. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's no different than having a, uh, very restricted diet. It's mm -hmm. hard. Uh, and to have a, very unrestricted diet or a restricted diet in the sense of, Hey, I gotta, I gotta get thousands and thousands of calories every day. That's mm -hmm. hard as well. Um, and so I knew that I can't do this for the rest of my life. So there's going to be a time when I, when I have to cut some weight and kind of back, back off a little bit with eating. Mm -hmm. uh, and I kind of, uh, that alongside with the adjustments in training, I just thought, I think this is a good time to lose some weight. Um, and, and, and again, you, well, you to, probably feel, you probably feel like a little bit more, uh, you know, better cardio cardiovascularly too. And I mean, I know a lot of times, like when I get like 10, 20 pounds above, like I would, I would call it a set weight. Not that that's like a scientific sort of thing, but just what I usually hover around. It seems like I feel a lot more taxed on like, whether it be like high rep weightlifting or running or anything like that. Have you noticed that too? 
Oh, 100%. I'm, uh, I don't ever plan. I mean, never say never, but I don't ever plan, uh, on going back up to 250 mm-hmm. uh, purposely, uh, anytime in the future, because, uh, I think I'll, I'll be honest. A lot of it was fear of losing weight because I was afraid mm-hmm. that I was, my numbers were going to go down. That's how strongly I cared about lifting weights and maintaining strength that I, I was afraid if someone was to say, Hey, you know, you got to drop 40 pounds and it's going to, your number's going to take a hit. Um, I would say like, no way I'm going to keep mm-hmm. eating. Uh, so I did have to, uh, I was a little bit worried about that, but I just, I had to accept it. Um, so I just said, Hey, that's fine. If weight on the bar goes down, it probably is anyways, because I'm not training. My training's not as focused mm-hmm. right now. It's sporadic. Um, so I'm okay with that. So it was, a, uh, just an acceptance and, uh, I'll, I'll admit my, my strict barbell numbers are down from what they were, uh, January, 2019 or mm-hmm. even March, 2019, April, 2019. Um, uh, but I'm okay with that. And I feel like I'm building back up and mm-hmm. it's kind of like, uh, I'm at this new body weight. So I've kind of like reframing my previous bests or PRs mm-hmm. with just making progress currently to say, Hey, you know, when I dropped down all this weight, my squat was at this, uh, and you know, a month later, my squats better. So I'm happy mm-hmm. with that. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I was, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I remember you commenting that like your strength loss was like, it's, it's, you know, it's basically obvious unless you're on steroids, or you're going to lose some strength when you lose 40 pounds. But I remember you commenting that it wasn't like a lot more or it wasn't like as much as you had anticipated it being. Yeah, I don't think it was. Uh, and I, I do think a lot of it's mental. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of it is actually um, just getting used to my new body weight. So when I squat, uh, when I was, when my waist was like six inches bigger, and mm-hmm. when I had a lot more, when I had 40 pounds more on me, uh, my squat felt a lot uh, stronger, I guess. Uh, but mm-hmm. now that I'm, my waist is much smaller, uh, it does change the anthropometry of the squat uh, because you're built differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so that getting used to that was kind of odd and it's something that I've noticed. Um, but, uh, but no, I will, I will say, uh, that I have improved in other aspects of strength. I do think, like you said, cardiovascularly, I think my training sessions are, are easier. I'm able to maintain relative RPE for longer. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. The weight on the bar is less, but I feel like at this lighter body weight, my work capacity is higher. Um, mm-hmm. and so sessions aren't as taxing on me as they were when I was 45 pounds heavier. Um, so, so that's good as well. And then I did a strongman competition in December. Um, and I was about 215 at the time. And I actually, uh, took first place and what I would consider like a pretty, a pretty competitive group of guys. And, uh, I felt like I was a bit more on the, on the events that needed explosiveness, speed, quickness. I mm-hmm. felt like I had that and I wouldn't have had that if I was 45 pounds heavier. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah pure strict bench squat deadlift numbers might have been impacted, but I think I improved in other aspects also. Mm -hmm. I think that something that a lot of times people might not realize or might not think of is like, if you're, especially if you're talking like squat bench deadlift, which you obviously talk the most about, like if you're talking double digit uh, reps or even close to that, there's definitely a cardio component, especially I notice it the most with squats and deadlifts because you're just using your whole body like it definitely you do like a set of eight to 12 with squat or deadlift you're gonna get your your heart racing for sure oh yeah yeah absolutely uh and uh i feel like if i do a set of eight ten twelve even 20 reps now i can recover from it sooner Mm -hmm. uh whether that means to do another set in the same session Mm -hmm. or 
or do it again the next day or the day after. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, can, I feel like I can do that with, with uh, less body weight. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's also a plus. I think that, um, I think that a lot of people, myself included in the past, especially when I was a starting strength coach, just get sucked into thinking that the bench, the squat, and the deadlift are the only things that matter. Mm-hmm. All that matters. Nothing else matters. Everything else is stupid, right? Mm-hmm. Abs are stupid. Uh, you know, cardiovascular endurance is stupid. This and that. It's squat bench deadlift's the only thing that matters. Uh, and then we get we we think that we're going to do everything it takes to increase those numbers. Mm-hmm. And if that means I'm going to add 40 pounds to my body weight in order to get those numbers up, then it's worth it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, so especially for general population, like luckily I don't have any uh, outstanding, uh, you know, any existing uh, health conditions. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, young. So for me to gain 40 pounds is not as bad, <laughs> mm-hmm. not as bad of an idea as if you have some, you know, 45, 50 year old guy who's really not active uh, and actually has some pre existing medical conditions who decides to pick up a barbell for the first time mm-hmm. and hears, you need to get your body weight up in order to get your squat up. And then he says, okay, sounds good. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to keep uh, eating. I'm going to gain a bunch of weight just so my squats numbers go up. And if mm-hmm. my squat goes up, then all is well. So yeah, it's uh it's tough. And it, it goes to show how powerful, uh, you know, what we say is when we have a big social media following. Mm-hmm. So it's important to be careful with that. Yeah. I remember having this realization one time, like, I guess, you know, when I was younger, like I, I really got into lifting weights and bodybuilding when I was like a teenager and just always associated, you know, the bigger and stronger and more ripped a guy was like the better. It was almost like I equated it to health, which is like weird to say now. And I remember hearing uh, Ben Pakulski one time comment about like when he stopped bodybuilding, he realized that he had got he had a lot of really I don't remember exactly what the, the metric was, but he had become really unhealthy by by way of some sort of like blood test or something like that, just because he had so much mass on him. And like, he's like, I'd be 280 pounds just ripped, but it's like your body is just not built to have an unnatural amount of muscle mass. Not, it's not like it's as bad or necessarily similar to fat mass, but like your body wants to maintain like a relatively normal body weight. You know, you can't go too high in one direction or I think, you know, even, to an extent, if you pack on tons and tons of muscle, it can become unhealthy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A bodybuilders who are 320 pounds at like, you know, five foot 10, mm-hmm. uh, even if they have low body fat, that is unhealthy. Uh, it's mm-hmm. probably Just unhealthy. taxing for your organs and, you know, your heart. Yeah. And even when you look at like uh, uh, Brian Shaw or half Thor Bjornsson, who are just mm-hmm. enormous guys, uh, that are that weigh 440, 450 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, you would think, man, this guy is, this guy's the poster child of health, big, strong mm-hmm. guy. Uh, but they're, they're likely, uh, n- not helping themselves mm-hmm. in the long run. If they're going to maintain that 450 pound frame mm-hmm. forever. And when you talk about joint health and stuff like that, like that's hard on it's, that's hard on everything. And that's why you see those guys eventually, you know, retire and they go down to a more, a more normal weight because it's just kind of just like any other sport. You push your body intensely for a period of time and it's not something that you do forever. Right. When you talk about the extremes at least. Yeah, absolutely. So when you talked about like quick workouts and not having program, I'm, I'm curious how you approached like the uh, rest times. And if you did any combinations of like 
supersets or anything like that because I know that when I was first really focused on building strength, I got really, really attached to like the waiting two, four, five minutes even in between sets, especially when you're talking about the big lifts, because that's when you could see the most strength increases and keep your strength up between sets. But uh, how did you approach that? Yeah, I made uh, during that time when I was the first couple of months of being a dad, I made videos that were the first one was like, uh, I'm dad strong or fighting the dad bod. It was mm -hmm. stuff like that. And it was pretty much just documenting uh, my training, some of my uh, diet adjustments during that time. And so uh, if you really wanted to, I think I made a playlist out of it. You mm -hmm. can go check that out. But in one of the videos I just showed, it was a lot of supersetting. So I'd come mm -hmm. in and I think I would say, uh, because I didn't exactly know how many days a week I'd be training. Uh, I think I would say that I wanted to do either a squat or a deadlift. I wanted to do a press and I wanted to do a pull. I think were the three things that I wanted to do. And so and I these, would have, are these on like three days or what do you say now? No, this was like in one session. Oh, okay. In one okay, session. Okay. So I'd say I would either squat or deadlift. I would do some press and I, I would see. do some pull. And so I'd go into the gym uh, and I would usually, so I wasn't wearing a belt. I wasn't wearing knee sleeves. I wasn't wearing wrist wraps because all that stuff helps me add weight to the bar. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was trying to get more done with less weight. Um, and so anyways, I'd come in and I'd say, I'm going to do whatever, eight reps, uh, four or five sets of eight reps on front squats. And then I'm going to do four or five sets of eight reps on the overhead press. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do four or five sets of rows. And so I would do a set of, eight on front squat, set eight on press, set eight on rows, rest short period, mm -hmm. and then do that again. And I do like four or five rounds of that. So I would superset or try set uh, mm -hmm. exercises. Um, and I get it, I'd get it done like that. There was, uh, once you kind of got into a routine, I started to notice, this is where a lot of my YouTube videos were made when I was able to document my training. Cause I, I made up a program that I followed for 12 weeks and I put that mm -hmm. on YouTube. And, uh, I did have the time to actually do a workout and to record it. And that was like after the first couple of months when I started to notice my son getting into routine. So mm -hmm. he would, he would sleep best. And it was almost always from like 5am to 8am he would sleep. Um, so I would make sure that I'd get to the gym around 5am, 5.30am, do my workout and come home. Uh, mm -hmm. So I was, uh, so I was eventually able to get a routine. And I was able to slow down my sessions, but, but yeah, at first it was always a squat or a deadlift, a press and a pull. And I would just do that. I didn't yeah. do much. I didn't do much beyond that. My cardio was just doing that stuff back to back to back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've become a big fan of, uh, I'm forgetting like the term used for it now, but like, uh, opposite, uh, peripheral, is that the word like supersetting like chest and back or bicep, tricep and stuff like that? Because yeah, maybe like kind of, I don't, I don't know if peripheral about. is the right word, but uh, yeah, because then like it's, pro, it's like not antagonistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Antagonistic, maybe. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I know. And it, that's kind of, that's kind of like what you're doing there when you work different, like different muscles. Because yeah, you're like you're definitely going to be taxed and kind of cardiovascularly taxed, but at least you're hitting different muscles in these three separate things instead of having like a chest day and doing like you know bench incline chest fly. We're going to have like huge diminishing returns on something like that. Exactly. So I could do a front squat. That'd be a lot of legs. And then an overhead mm -hmm. press would be my shoulders. And then a back, a row would be my back and my biceps. Mm -hmm. uh, and sure, it was tiring. I was out of breath, but that, that was fine with me. Um, mm -hmm. And so that takes a little bit of weight on the bar and it does induce just some overall fatigue. But 
but yeah, you're right. I mean, you're able to hit multiple muscle groups and believe it or not, if you have some mental toughness and you're willing to push through those short rest periods, you can actually get away with much shorter rest periods than you think. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are times when even now, if I'm a little bit pressed for time on a training session, I'll say, all right, I'm going to give myself an hour to do all this and I'll make sure to put my phone away. I won't have my computer. If I'm mm-hmm. you know, training anywhere, I'll just say, I'm going to rest two minutes. Uh, and I'm actually, and take it as a challenge. And I'm actually able to keep pretty much the same weight on the bar that I would mm-hmm. if I was resting four minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll admit it's uncomfortable and it's harder, but, uh, the weight on the bar doesn't really change as much as mm-hmm. you might think, or as much as we tell ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I've had this, uh, I've had this watch for like the past couple of years. It's something I always try to do, especially if I'm more pressed for time is like hold myself accountable to like a minute or a 90 second rest period in between lifts. And it's hard to just, especially like you mentioned having your phone, like I think it's absolutely killer unless you just have all the time in the world to like allow yourself to text or be on Instagram or Twitter or whatever it is. Cause stuff like that is literally meant to suck away five minutes and make it feel like 30 seconds. And if you're doing that while you're in the gym, if you're really trying to get in there and be effective, if that's your priority, you know, like you, you have a family or whatever it is, uh, or you, you know, you're on a tight schedule for whatever reason that can be killer. So I think that it is definitely nice to have some sort of like a watch or, you know, keeping time on your phone, even turning your phone like on airplane mode or something like that. It's, is, is big. If you want to get in and get out, if you really want to prioritize that. Yeah, absolutely. I'll notice that if I don't have any, any distractions uh, and I sit there or I walk around the gym, just pace back and forth. Mm-hmm. After doing that, just sitting there for a minute, 90 seconds, two minutes, I'm like, okay, I'm yeah, kind of rejuvenated. Yeah. Yeah. But if you, uh, if you are just looking at your phone, you know, before mm-hmm. you know, you're like, shit, it's been five minutes. And mm-hmm. then you have to, you have to put your phone away. You have to kind of take a minute to get your mindset right for the next mm-hmm. set. Yeah, you're like here, and then you're going here, back yeah. into the real so, world, basically. So that, so it's almost like you're not mentally, you're really not resting at all. You know, you're mm-hmm. like focused on this, and mm-hmm. then you come back and like, okay, now I got to do this set. But yeah. when you're just sitting there thinking about the next set, I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm ready to do this. You know? Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think that also is like your routine also definitely speaks to something like I've hammered before, and like I mean, people like you and anyone that's that's pushing evidence science-based training of any sort uh usually you'll hear phrasing like compound weightlifting like you said pressing deadlifting squatting uh just like big pole movements i think that you can never overemphasize how how important that is especially if you're pressed for time like yeah sure uh uh lateral raise you know delt specific sort of thing or like a bicep curl or a tricep push down has its place in programming but if you're really trying to maximize uh, your return on investment and maximize your time. I think that it's it's always important to note it to note that you have to do those big compound uh, lifts for the most part. At least center your training around those. Yeah, and I also find that if I can make the majority of my training difficult by a little bit shorter rest periods, mm-hmm. whenever I do have a period of training where I'm really trying to push my max, or I'm trying to peak, or maybe even it's a test week if I've been resting two minutes between my sets and I have a test week coming up, now I'm going to rest four, four minutes and Mm -hmm. I'm like completely recovered. So it's Mm -hmm. almost like making training a little bit more difficult Mm -hmm. so that when you need to, you can rely on that uh, longer rest period or you can't take Mm -hmm. advantage of that rest period. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very similar. Like, you know, if you're taking 400 milligrams of caffeine before every workout, it's stops really doing, it stops, Mm -hmm. it, it loses its potency. But if you're not if you're not taking caffeine the majority of times before training and then you use it when you need it, 
right? When you have a big session coming up or mm-hmm. you're going to max out and you do use that, you can tap into that, uh, the, uh, the potency and effectiveness of caffeine. So kind of the mm-hmm. same way with training, make training hard. Uh, and then I think you can use that to your advantage when it's time to test. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And when you mention uh, rest periods, another thing that comes to mind for me is like another big realization I've had as far as my own training is like, you know, there was the first time I started reading about and emphasizing progressive overload. Uh, I had a lot of success. Uh, The first ever really evidence science-based person I followed was Mike Matthews in his book, Muscle for Life. And he's talking about progressive overload, adding weight to the bar over time, you know, and that, and then I, I started reading more into it and following different people and just realizing that progressive overload can take many forms such as, you know, lowering your rest time. That's another form of it or just doing, you know, four sets instead of three. There's a lot of different things you can do to continue to progress and not just, you know, get caught in that, okay, I have to rest three minutes so I can try to put 10 more pounds on my, on my deadlift this week or something like that. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of where RPE uh, can be Mm -hmm. very Mm -hmm. useful that I think six reps at RPE eight is uh, almost always six reps at RPE eight. Meaning let's say I said, Hey, I'm going to use 315 for six reps, that's my RP8. And I'm going to rest five minutes to try to keep that 315 on the bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could just rest if you just rested two minutes and said, well, I have to drop the weight to 300. But that's still six reps at RP8. I think the, the stimulus is nearly the same. Even mm-hmm. though the weight's slightly less, you know, you can gauge it based off of RPE. So mm-hmm. how hard did that do you wanna, feel? Do you want to describe that? that acronym quick for, for anyone that doesn't uh, yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's RPE is rate of perceived exertion. Mm-hmm. It's basically a one through 10 scale. 10 would be maximum effort. Uh, and each number represents reps in the tank. How many more reps you could have done mm-hmm. if you were going to failure? So if you were to do, you know, five reps at RPE nine, that means you did five reps and you, you could have done one more, but not two. Um, so I feel like that you're basically asking yourself, how hard was that set? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that uh, even if you do have to take a little bit of weight off the bar, as long as you're maintaining that target RPE for the day, uh, it's, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, what, that's what I always think of. I don't know that it necessarily 100% correlates because the benefit, well, I, I guess so. Like a lot of times I'll hear, especially what jumps to mind is uh, Sal Stefano from Mind Pump is always talking about the benefit of leaving two reps in the tank. And a lot of people will say that too, as far as if you want like a baseline for uh, intensity, you want to usually leave two reps in the tank. And so the only time you'd be going to RPE 10 is like on days that you mentioned maxing out or having your competitions or whatever. But most of the time RPE eight is obviously do the math 10 minus two, leaving two reps in the tank. So I think that's another useful way to look at it too. And I think where RPE is the most uh, important and most tangible for me is definitely like, you know, we all go through different days of maybe especially someone like you having a bad night's sleep, you know, because you're up with your kid or, you know, you just didn't quite get your, your right nutrition that day. And RPE waxes and wanes with you more so than like weight and volume does because you can, you can use it based on how exactly you are feeling that day. Yeah, absolutely. It's a way to manage fatigue rather Mm -hmm. than being, we are not robots. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we can't just say, okay, I'm going to do 300 and then I'm going to do 305 and then 310 and then 315. Mm-hmm. Uh, because on any given day, that could be a different stimulus. Um, and, you know, instead of me telling you, hey, you're going to go into the gym today and you're going to squat 315 for six reps, mm-hmm. no matter what. And if you're right? in smoke, it, it's like. Yeah, it damn near kills you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not setting you up for 
a good, maybe a good training session later on mm-hmm. in the week. Uh, and mentally it kind of sucks. Not everyone mm-hmm. wants to like have this complete maximum grind mm-hmm. of a set. Um, so we say, Hey, instead of saying 315, you're going to do it for six. I could say, I want you to work up to six reps, but leave one or two reps in the tank. Mm-hmm. And you might work up and, and you might say, Hey, I did 300 for six reps and I could have done one more, maybe two, but definitely mm-hmm. not more than two. I'd say, Hey, that's fine. The stress and the stimulus was what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know, or you went up to 315 and you did it for six reps and you said, honestly, I could have done it for like four or five more. Mm-hmm. Like, All right. Well, that's not enough stress for you. So, Hey, mm-hmm. add a little bit of weight. Um, so yeah, I think that it, it does put some, uh, some, uh, freedom of choice in your, uh, the ball in your court in order mm-hmm. to, you know, in terms of picking weight. Yeah. Uh, and I think and that just, a lot of people intuitively do that, especially when you first mm-hmm. go to the gym, uh, you know, they'll do a set of dumbbell curls and they'll say, yeah, it wasn't too bad. I'm going to go up a little bit and I'll do a mm-hmm. another set and then, you know, add weight and say, man, that mm-hmm. was tough. Uh, and so it's, uh, really, it's just asking yourself, how hard was that? How hard did I mm-hmm. push myself? And it's, yeah. you don't need to push yourself to absolute maximum every single day. I do mm-hmm. think that that's, it's especially important with powerlifting. Um, I don't think that that's necessarily true if you're doing like a lot of people at home might be doing bodyweight exercises. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that, uh, I don't think that taking a set of pushups to failure is going to be as taxing, right. As taking a set of deadlifts mm-hmm. to failure. You know what I mean? So it's less important with stuff like bodyweight exercises. Or if I was to say, Hey, I want you to do uh, as many medicine ball broad tosses as you can in mm-hmm. five minutes, just back and forth, just whatever, push that as hard as you want. You're not going to like, mm-hmm. you know, overstress yourself doing that. Yeah. You know, if I was to say you're going to do body weight squats, just go until, you know, it gets really mm-hmm. hard. So, mm-hmm. And just like you, you talked about mindset earlier, like it's important to realize that it's something I've talked about before in the show that like you, your body doesn't necessarily differentiate like relationship stress and work stress and gym stress. Like it, a, a lot of times your, your stress accumulates. And so that's, that's going to factor into you not being able to completely push yourself. If you have things going on in your personal life, you know, you're not sleeping well, whatever it is, you have to realize that every day is different, but you know, it's also, I, I think that there's, there's benefits to both like taking that, that lighter day off. And there's also a benefit to kind of pushing past what you think you can do on a certain day too because you know you want to, sometimes you really want to push yourself and and show yourself that you're capable of pushing hard on on any given day but sometimes you just want to let yourself take a little bit of a rest knowing that you're stressing in other areas of your life so i think that that's really what what goes along with just training for a longer period of time and just kind of realizing what works for you yeah absolutely and that goes along with you know not we are not robots we are mm-hmm. affected mm-hmm. by uh you know a bunch of other stimulus uh you know it's not just programming numbers. Um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, it's important that, yeah, if you are feeling a little bit more stressed, even outside of the gym, uh, then pay attention to RP. And even with RP, it doesn't always mean that I say, you know, I'm stressed out. I'm just going to take a really light day and do 135 in the gym. Uh, that's fine if you want to do that. Uh, but it's more of, Hey, I'm going to continue doing this program despite being tired and fatigued, but I know that the weight on the bar might change. Right. So I'm still going to mm-hmm. try to try to get my RPE for the day. But if the weight on the bar is 50 pounds less, it's not a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's, that's pay attention something I something I, I also wish that I learned earlier was just the fact that, you know, if I'm used to like on a good day squatting just for for simplicity, call it 225 for 
five and realizing that going in and squatting 185 for five is not like a complete failure and a complete regression. And, you know, like I was, I was curious, like what your weights kind of looked like as far as when you were doing these uh, tri sets as you kind of referred to them as versus like what your maximum could have been on those. And did you have a problem like mentally, you know, like seeing and feeling that it was so much, so much less weight than you were used to. I mean, I'm sure you, like you obviously have more experience with programming and stuff like that, but I think for the average person, sometimes it's just like you, you don't want to see all that much less weight on the bar and it feels like you're not being as effective. Yeah. So what, one thing that I did when I started to do these triceps, try started to do different workouts um, was I would pick exercises that I wasn't that familiar with that I haven't been doing recently. Uh, I was picking rep ranges that I also wasn't familiar with. And uh, so meaning I knew what my competition belted one rep max squat was mm -hmm. i knew what my competition belted one rep max deadlift was um, and so in order to separate myself from those numbers i just wouldn't do those movements i would say i'm going to do beltless front squats for sets of 10 right uh, mm -hmm. and i wasn't really connected with a number i didn't know what that number would be mm -hmm. so i would kind of go off a of feel uh, before i had my son i was doing i was competing in powerlifting and i was doing a lot of bench pressing not a whole lot of overhead pressing mm -hmm. so i would say i'm going to do overhead press instead of bench press um, and uh, so i would pick these movements that were slightly different and then i didn't have a, a numerical connection to so that made that made it easy for me to accept hey if this is lighter i don't really care mm -hmm. um, so i couldn't as easily compare what i used to do versus what i'm doing now and that helped me mentally mm -hmm. um, and so uh, also i would I would prescribe myself a number of sets and reps. So which mm -hmm. we would call volume. So if you did five sets of 10, that'd be your volume for the day, 50 reps. I would prescribe the volume first. And I would say, this is most important to me. The weight is secondary. So mm -hmm. meaning I would say, all right, I want to do five sets of 10 squats or front squats, five sets of 10 overhead press. And I'm going to do that with 90 second rest periods. I'm just going to try to get that done. If after two sets, right, it was killing me, I would just lower the weight and I would do the third set and I'd do the fourth set. Maybe I had to lower the weight more and I'd do the fifth set. And I would make note of those numbers. And then over time, I'd try to improve those numbers. But mm -hmm. uh, I would always pick volume first, not weight. So meaning I wouldn't say, I'm doing a 300-pound front squat for these five sets of 10 no matter what. And then mm -hmm. I do one set of 10, a second set of 10, and I end up failing the third set and saying, damn, you know, I failed. Um, so I hope that makes sense, but I was mm -hmm, more focused mm -hmm. with, I want to get, so I want to get these five sets of 10 done. I'll worry about weight in the future. And so if on that first session, I did the five sets of 10 with whatever, 135. And then I said, you know what? That was, uh, that wasn't too bad. That was doable. Next week, I'm going to do 165 or 155 or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would add weight in that, in that sense. Um, so I would always say, volume is most important just getting the work done regardless of the weight mm -hmm. over time i'll worry about adding weight um, so that's kind of the approach that i had to these so there was a lot of guesswork is what i'm saying mm -hmm. and i would say i think i'm going to try these numbers today and i would always err on the lighter side yeah. and then if i did it and i said hey that was good i'll add weight um, mm -hmm. but if i if i overshot and i decided to pick a weight that was too heavy i would just lower the weight in order mm -hmm. to finish the sets because mm -hmm. I wanted to get the volume first. Yeah. And in my experience, I think that getting too attached to weight is the biggest uh, thing that makes people really suffer on form. 
because if you really, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to squat 315 and you just go down and do half reps. Well, if you would have done, you know, lowered it by 50 pounds and done full reps, you would have been doing your body so much more uh, good than just, you know, being able to, you know, mark off that you, that you did 315. Well, it's like you did, but if you're doing these, these horrible, this horrible form, you're not really doing yourself any good at that point. Right. It's kind of like, uh, you know, saying, Hey, I did 300 pounds for six reps mm-hmm. and, uh, it was like RP seven. I could have done like mm-hmm. three reps more. And then the following day you did a three Oh five, five pounds more mm-hmm. for six reps. And you were like, that was an absolute max that damn near killed me. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you really any stronger with that three Oh five for six reps versus the 300 for six reps at an, at an easier RP. Right. Does that, mm-hmm. I hope that, uh, mm-hmm. makes sense, but just because weight on the bar was more, doesn't mean you're necessarily better or stronger mm-hmm. because you might've had, those might've been half reps. Exactly. The, it might've been way harder than the 300 for six was. Um, so weight on the bar is not the only metric that we should pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with that said, I do think that there are times when we get excited, we get hyped up and we get just dead set on a goal. And mm-hmm. I think it's fine to go for it. You know, mm-hmm. if you say, Hey, today I was only supposed to do 275 for a few reps, but man, I feel really good. I want to see if I can do 285 mm-hmm. and you end up doing it. You know what I mean? That's so there's, yeah. I wouldn't discourage anyone from being aggressive with their, uh, you know, weight jumps and there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with having goals and target weights. Uh, but just don't let it consume you, you know, yeah. don't let it be a detriment to your overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was exactly my point with the mindset too. Like it's hard to just prescribe this sort of thing to someone because it's something that I've definitely learned from my own experience. But once you've been doing it for long enough, you know, when you just have a good day and you might be able to, you know, PR by 10 pounds and you know, when you just need to really taper it back and just get your sets done, but you're not going to go out of control. And, and you can learn that about yourself the, the more you go on. But sometimes, you know, we don't know what it is, but sometimes, like you said, you get that good mindset, you know, maybe you've slept really well, Maybe you're just, maybe it's just a good environment with music and friends and you sometimes you just want to go after it. You can't really explain it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think a lot of people get, that's the enjoyment that people get out of lifting weights, I think, Mm -hmm. um, is, you know, accomplishing something, pushing themselves, uh, being a little bit scared or intimidated of of Mm -hmm. something and then doing it anyway. So all those, all those, those are all benefits of, of lifting weights. And I would never, um, I would never discourage someone from, from, you know, partaking in that. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then another interesting thing that I had uh, an older guy that I work out with sometimes tell me is that he, he told me that the weight is just a tool. And this is definitely still a time where I was very attached to like the weight on the bar. But it's like, I, I've definitely thought about a lot about this in our current situation where myself and many other people are having to do a lot more body weight type things. It's like, yeah, maybe you can bench 200 pounds and squat 200 pounds. But doing 30 push-ups or 30 air squats is still going to tire you out. You know, it's, it's like, you're just trying to, to get in and work the muscles at the most base level. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, they just get, we, we get, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll include myself. We get so mm-hmm. attached to barbells or we get so attached to powerlifting that that's all we really care about, care about is our barbell numbers, our powerlifting total. Uh, when really, I mean, uh, hopefully most people just enjoy training. And mm-hmm. I think that those who do just enjoy training are having a much easier time right now during this whole coronavirus mm-hmm. thing of being limited to gyms, uh, having limited gym access. I think they're having an easier time because they're saying, Hey, yeah, bummer. I can't train with the barbells often as I'd like, or if at all, but 
I can still go push myself and I can still train. Mm-hmm. So I'll figure something out. Yeah. Um, it should I think be something you can that, do for life. Right. Yeah. And in, in any, in any circumstance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll, I'm not downplaying uh, what people are going through. It does suck. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what I mean? Uh, there's still a lot that can be done mm-hmm. uh, in order to at least maintain that discipline that you had with going to the gym regularly, doing your workouts. I think that it's still a time to practice and express that discipline by doing something else, even if you don't mm-hmm. want to, even if you mm-hmm. don't want to do some push-ups or some sprints or go on a jog, mm-hmm. do it anyways, you know? And I think mm-hmm. that that'll help you when the gyms do open back up with getting back into a routine because nothing's mm-hmm. really changed. You still maintain some discipline. Uh, and I think that that that'll carry through all this. Yeah. Just mental discipline, if nothing else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that like for me, I've mentioned it multiple times, but there's, there's nothing. I don't think that's a bigger pet peeve for me than like a 30 day challenge, you know, workout challenge or diet challenge. It's like, it really should be something you can do for life. I would encourage anyone, you know, if you, you should, you should try to build in strength training or resistance training of some sort, even if it's not your favorite thing once or twice for your entire life, because there's so many benefits that are going to come from that, let alone the mental side that we've mentioned, but you're going to increase your muscle mass and your bone density. And I try to describe people like my parents too, that aren't like big into strength or resistance training. And I'm like, the older you get and the more muscle you can retain, even if you're not like big and jacked and big and strong, but you want to have muscle so that you can continue to be functional and doing things around the house, going in out and getting your groceries or whatever it is that you do in your day-to-day life. I think that strength training and resistance training of some sort is useful for almost just about anybody's life. Yep, absolutely. Not only the health benefits of retaining some muscle when you're older, but also just being able to uh, be self-sufficient, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, take care of yourself. And if you do trip and fall, you can get up, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or you can climb mm-hmm. up some stairs. You don't need to depend on a bunch of other people to do basic tasks. And I think that the more we focus on that now, uh, you know, the more important it will be later on in our lives. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that I actually talked about, I, we, I did a podcast yesterday with a whole bunch of YouTube guys, Omar mm-hmm. Isoff, Johnny Candido, Style Mike, and Bryce Krawcheck. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, we were talking a lot about the same stuff. And I think that uh, it's hard to say, to tell people that, uh, you know, you should be in the gym because you love it, right? Mm-hmm. Because not everyone does love lifting exactly. weights. Uh, it kind of, I'll admit, it is something that you either have or you don't. Um, I think you and I, we just enjoy being in the mm-hmm. gym. We enjoy lifting weights. So it comes a little bit easier. Uh, but I, I will say that if I was working with a client who wasn't thrilled about lifting weights or wasn't thrilled about being in the gym or even a family member, um, if they showed some interest in it, some interest at all, and it's a bit self-selecting if I'm talking to someone who watches my YouTube channel, mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. interested somewhat, someone who listens to your podcast or follows you on Instagram, they at least have some interest. Yeah. So I think that identifying that interest or the root of why they want to start training or why do you go to the gym? It might not mm-hmm. be because I just love training. It's just my favorite hobby. Uh, but there probably is a reason why they are interested in it. I think that mm-hmm. uh, really honing in on that can help people cultivate some discipline to continue going to the gym during times like these or to get mm-hmm. in the gym. So it is a hard sell for like parents that don't do anything physically active to say, you're really missing out on the benefits of yeah. lifting weights. You know, they're yeah, like, and you don't want to preach because that just turns people yeah. away. 
Yep, that's exactly it. So, but if they were talking to you about, you know, if they said something like, you know, yeah, you know, I'm getting real sick of this, having to depend on this walker, mm -hmm. uh, this wheelchair or something. I think that that's a good entry to say like, well, they might not care about squatting, benching, deadlifting, mm -hmm. uh, but let's figure out what we can get them to do uh, in order to make getting up out of the chair easier or in order to make grandma less dependent on a walker. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that, uh, you know, focusing on that can be really helpful and it can be a good entry point because like you said, preaching doesn't help. And even like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, my family members, I'm not, you know, any of them that don't lift. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not like, man, you're not squatting. You're just yeah. you're lost. You know what yeah, I mean? exactly. They just, mm -hmm. It just makes them feel bad about themselves. Uh, and they probably are like, man, I hate when Alan comes around because all he wants mm -hmm. to do is tell me about lifting weights, you know? Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I found that, you know, I've gotten the advice before and it definitely holds true. It's like the, the best way that you can, I don't know if convince somebody is the right word, but, but show somebody the path is just like show how you enjoy it and show how it makes you happier and healthier and just a better overall person because they see that. And then, like you said, maybe they, they have a litter interest and then they, they see the positive outcomes it has on you and maybe their interest grows. And, you know, maybe you're not out there. Hey, you know, if you ever need some help, like, let me know. But if someone just goes, hey, you know, I might be curious to come and, you know, work out with you sometime or maybe get a workout program. And then you encourage that. You go, oh, cool. You know, I could help you out, whatever it is. Yeah, I think it's just showing how much it, it, it helps you is going to be the biggest catalyst for, you know, getting someone else into it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that on social media, uh, like I said, a lot of it's self-selecting your audience mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because there's a reason they followed you on Instagram. There's a reason they're listening to your, your podcast. There's a reason they subscribe to my YouTube channel mm -hmm. uh, or there's a, maybe there's a reason why they are striking up conversation with you, initiating conversation with you about going to the gym or something. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yeah, but it just coming out of the blue with like, Hey, how, how many times a week do you go to the gym? Well, mm -hmm. I don't right now. Oh man, you're lost. You're missing. And, out, yeah. Yeah, and I think that curiosity, I think is also another big key. Like if you talk about friends or family, like if you hear, Oh, you know, why are you drinking that protein shaker? You know, what, 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 you know, what's been keeping you busy lately in the gym? Like a lot of times I think that we can often also forget that. Like, I think being in the gym and working out makes you so much more of a confident person. And if you don't have something like that, that, that makes you feel confident and feel vibrant you might not outwardly say that, that you'd like help. But I think a lot of times someone's curiosity can kind of lead you towards realizing that they might want to learn more too. Yeah. And this is kind of, this is more like specifically friends and family sort of thing, but that's what I've experienced personally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's about all our time, Alan. Uh, if you want to wrap it up by letting everybody know where they can find you, any other closing thoughts you have? Yeah, you can find me on, uh, Instagram at Untamed Strength. On YouTube, you could either type in Untamed Strength or Alan Thrall. Those would be the two keywords to find the channel. Uh, the website, if you are in the Sacramento area or the Northern California area and you want to check out the gym, the website's trainuntamed.com. Don't check out the gym until all this uh, has cleared up, mm -hmm. um, this uh, coronavirus deal. But uh, but yeah, untamed strength. I'm sorry, trainuntamed.com and untamed strength is where you can find me. And that's it, man. Thanks a lot cool, for Thank you. Yeah. having me on. Thank you again for joining me. I appreciate it. It's always fun. Yeah, of course. Hey, it's Jake again. 
If this podcast provided you any value, I'd encourage you to share it with someone who you think might enjoy it. In addition, it'd really help me out a lot if you would go and subscribe or leave a review for my podcast. It's super easy. And in addition, if you have any questions or comments, I'd love for you to reach out to me by email or Instagram DM, which can both be found on my website. Thanks.